we have left before Chile. Um, normally I put the page number up and I did not do that. I apologize. So if somebody's using the Pew Bible and knows what page that is, you can want to number that out and say what it is. Uh, but uh, if you don't have a Bible, you don't, uh, or I, I'll have the passage up on the screen, but I think it's always great to look on your own. We're starting a new series called Seen this morning. Seen. Uh, I know we just prayed for Joel and Lindsay, but before I jump into this, I'm going to pray again, just that God would speak to us through his word. So God, we just pray uh, that you would help us to hear from you. God, that you would be the one speaking. God, I pray that you would make your word clear to us. I pray it would penetrate our hearts, our minds, our busyness, our emotions, our excuses, our trials, whatever that might be. Not that none of that's important, but God, let us hear what you have to say this morning so that we can know how much you care about those things and how much you want to help us in those things. God, I pray that you would, as the song has been sung and we've prayed, let you, Spirit, you would move in this place and that we would hear from you in a powerful way. Um, we just expect this, we ask this, we pray that you would speak in your name. Amen. So one of the things I've always loved to hear in my house is, Dad, come and look at this. Uh, when my kids were really, really little, um, it was, Dad, come watch me on the swing. Dad, come watch me jump off of this. Dad, look how fast I can run. Dad, look how big this poop is. Dad, come here. And uh, If you've ever been around a little kids, that is a real thing. That actually does get said. Uh, now, as they're teens, it's a little bit different. I'm asked to come and look at this video game that they're playing or come and watch, check out this funny video that they found or come and read something that they wrote. And yes, there is the occasional big poop, but it's, Dad, come and look at this, and I love it. I absolutely love the fact that they want me to come and see them. Dad, come and look at this. Come and see this, because it's not always just come and see this. It's come and see me. And that gets to the deeper reality in all of us. We want to be seen. We want to know that someone is looking for us, watching for us, interested about us, concerned for us, excited for us. We want to be seen. Alan Noble writes this. He says, We desire to be truly known and loved for who we are, not for the image of ourselves we have created and not for the image of ourselves created by others, but ourselves as we really are. And that's actually the, that last phrase is the difficult part of this whole concept because we think people won't want to see us. We put up a false front or we put up an act or we, to avoid rejection or hurt, we might isolate ourselves so that people can't see us because if they did see us, would they want to? We want to be seen, but we don't want to deal with the pain of why somebody wouldn't want to be, see us and so we avoid that. Yes, Regardless, we want to be seen because wanting to be seen is part of what it means to be human. In the series that we're going to be doing leading up to Easter, we're going to be looking at a lot of different stories of people who were seen by Jesus. The fact that he saw them and not simply using his optical sensors to make images of them in his mind, but seeing them for who they were, seeing them with love, seeing them with grace, seeing them with connection, seeing them with forgiveness, seeing them with friendship, seeing them with life. Because God is not far off. God is not at a distance. God is near us. The Bible says in John 1 that in the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. 
God became flesh and came in our midst and walked among us. Another person paraphrases this verse with, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. God doesn't see us through a telescope. He comes near us. He comes by us. He walks with us. God sees you and he sees me. Henry Nowen said, long before any human being saw us, we were seen by God's loving eyes. And that's what this series is about, being seen by God's loving eyes. And we're going to start in this story in John chapter 1. It starts where I want to specifically start is verse 35, and it says this. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus, and he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say, say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to him, Where, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? I mean, they didn't really answer his question. It seemed like they're maybe wanting to have a longer conversation with him. It says in verse 39, he said to them, Come and you will see. Come with me and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. It was about four o'clock. So this wasn't just come and see the lodgings that I have, come and check out this place, this building where I'm going to be. Jesus is trying to show them hospitality. He's trying to invite them in, to take care of them, to be with them. Not just an invitation to stay the night with him, but this is actually going to be a prelude of things to come in relationship to, between him, them, and Jesus. It's not just come and see where I'm dwelling, but Jesus is saying, come and see how I'm dwelling on this planet. Verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. He gave Simon a new identity. He gave him a new name. He, he had the authority to do this. He gave him a new name for this new life that Peter was going to have. Verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the, of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. And so it's interesting that the word of mouth here, Jesus seeks out Philip, who Philip seeks out Nathanael, but Nathanael is just wearing his you know, heart on his sleeves here. Like, what good can come out of Nathanael? This is like the Chicago and going, Green Bay, come on. This, what, who, there's a pre, I know, I have to go there. It's just easy. So Nathaniel already has this presupposition, this idea of who Jesus is. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel, I heard that, amen, thank you. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. 
Now, he was just sitting under the fig tree. We don't know what he was doing. Maybe he was just chilling, taking a nap. Maybe he was studying. Don't really don't have idea what he was doing. But Jesus is making it clear, I saw you. I saw you when I didn't, you didn't even realize I saw you. Then the next verse, Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. He said to Nathanael, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of God. Jesus is in essence saying, You thought that was cool. You haven't seen anything yet. So we have this story. You heard it in there. Jesus interacting with all these men, connecting with them. Nathanael, I see you. I see you. There's a few big things in this story I want us to grasp. The first one is this, is that Jesus sees us where we are. Jesus sees us where we are. Jesus sees you right where you are. There are a variety of people Jesus is interacting with in this story. There's John the Baptist is mentioned, and he was a religious leader of sorts. But then we also, the rest of them that you hear, none of them else were like John the Baptist. They were just regular, ordinary guys. Andrew and Peter were fishermen, just as blue-collar as you could get in this culture. Philip, maybe not the most resourceful guy. Nathaniel had a slight sense of skepticism, hometown pride, maybe a little judgmental toward other groups. These aren't the only people. Jesus interacts. He sees these guys. He interacts with them. But as we go through all the gospel stories, these aren't the only people Jesus sees. These aren't the only people Jesus interacts with. There's also Matthew, who's a dishonest tax collector. There's Zacchaeus, who's not a whole lot better. There's Mary, who is possibly a prostitute. There was Judas, who was going to betray him. He interacts with soldiers. He interacts with crooks. He interacts with beggars. He interacts with the rich, with mothers and kids, bad reputations, good reputations, the prideful and the immature, every type of flesh and blood. Jesus sees. He doesn't ignore any of them. He sees everyone and he comes near. And it's the same for you and I. We are not ignored by Jesus. If you don't hear anything else today, hear that. Jesus never ignores you. Jesus sees you. Jesus saw Nathaniel sitting under the tree, and Jesus sees you, college student struggling through midterms and finals. He sees you, young professional with the busy schedule. He sees you, newly married couple trying to figure it out. He sees you, longtime married couple, trying to figure it out. He sees you, parent, worrying about your kids and struggling, feeling like you're struggling doing it. He sees you, stressing about your bills and relationships and health. He sees you who are failing and you who are messing up. He sees you who feel strong and you who feel broken. He sees you who are feeling lonely, who are hurting, who are struggling, who are confused. He sees you who are trying to figure out what's next. He sees you who are wanting to give up. Every single one of us are seen by the Lord. He sees you and he does not look away. He sees you. He never just goes, ugh. He always sees you and he always comes near. We are always seen by the loving eyes of God. Just sit in that for a moment. You are seen 
always by the loving eyes of God. How, how does that encourage your heart this morning? How does that maybe stir up your heart? How does, is that convicting? Is that challenging? Is it comforting? Is it uplifting? It's such a basic truth, but we cannot minimize it and we cannot ignore it. The Lord sees you. The loving eyes of God are always looking at you. He sees you and he wants you to see him. That's actually the second thing from this story. Jesus sees us where we are and Jesus invites us to come and see him. Jesus invites us to come and see him. You know, perspective is everything. I want to show you a video of something that happened to kind of talk about this idea of perspective. Look at this video and tell me what you think is happening. What's happening in that video? Go ahead. Somebody say it. What do you think is happening? Does, does it matter? So somebody's running. What else? Let's... So it doesn't sound like, like a big massive. Blah, blah, blah. What, what's happening? Say it again. Somebody's running from danger. What else did you see? What do you think it was? Running to something. Running to something. What else? So you're trying to like, hey, look how high I can jump. So, okay, let's look at the exact same scenario from a different angle. What's happening? What do you see? Somebody's stealing something? What? What else? Who saw somebody stealing something? What else do you see? Anything else? Let's do one more video, one more angle. It's a little bit different, yes? There's always different ways of looking at something, there's always different perspectives. And we could kind of get locked in. If the only video that you saw with those three was the second one, what would we be thinking about this guy compared to the actual reality of who he was and what he was doing? Do you see that reality? We have different angles that we see things, and that's usually based on maybe experiences or in-the-moment reactions, whatever that is, but how we see something might not necessarily be what's happening. Nathaniel said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? He, had a, he already had a perspective on Jesus. He already had an opinion on who Jesus was. That Again, based on previous experiences, based on his town, that town, whatever that might be, but he had an idea of Jesus. But then Jesus comes through and shows him a different perspective. Shows him a little bit more to the story. Adds something that he hadn't thought about and penetrates those ideas to go, no, here's the reality of who I am. He broke through Nathaniel's presuppositions and said, here's the truth of who I am as Jesus. And he wants to do the same for you and I. Maybe you're in here in this idea, just checking things out. Maybe it's your first time in church. Maybe it's the first time you've been in church in a while. And the idea of Jesus or people who follow Jesus, maybe it's really negative. Maybe it's that he... He's this angry, if he's even there, he's just this angry person in the sky who's trying to hurt everybody and not help everybody. 
And his kids sometimes say the meanest things and are really judgy and all those different things. Maybe you've been in a church scenario where there was spiritual abuse or something else. You've had negative experiences with Christians or the reality of understanding Jesus. And those are real experiences. Those are real things. I'm not discounting any of those things or how you feel about them. But the thing I want to present to you, the reality, is that as far as who Jesus is, there's another perspective. There's another angle. There's another way of looking at it. And that is to see Jesus for who he says he is, not how somebody else has presented him to you. Because the reality, the truth of who Jesus is, is somebody that even as Nathaniel experienced, you're the one I've been waiting for. Nathaniel went from, could anything come out of Nazareth? To, you're the Messiah. But he never would have got to that point if he wasn't willing to change or be open to change his perspective. This entire language that we see in this story is one of discipleship language. You see the phrases throughout the story, follow me, come and see, stay and remain. He called them to be disciples. He was calling them into a new life, a new identity, a new way of living, the best way, the one that we were designed to be. And he invites them to come into that. And each one of them had an experience with Jesus of seeing who he was, realizing who he was, and that they experienced the truth of him and in that gave Jesus the allegiance of their heart. There was a realization who he was, a leaving of their current life, and attaching themselves to Jesus. I'm following you now. I'm not leading myself and no one else is leading me. I'm following you. If I were to say to you that following somebody on Facebook or social media is the same as getting married, you would call me crazy. And you'd probably pray for Jeanette. But the problem is, is that many people see following Jesus like being following somebody on social media. And the reality is it's a whole like more the marriage commitment. If I said to you, well, I've said I like you, I liked you for a while, I interact with you occasionally, I check in to see what you're doing or saying, might like a couple things you say, but just going to let others things flow down the newsfeed to where I can't see them anymore, and that was great. I'm just going to go on with the rest of my life. Many times that's how we treat Jesus. I'm checking in, this was great, but I'm just going to go do my life. That's not the type of relationship Jesus wants with people. He doesn't show us the truth of who he is so that we can just become fans of him. He shows us the truth of who he is so that we can follow him. Jesus wants us to see and he wants us to invite us into being his disciples, not to be cheering sections for Jesus, but to be, have our, the allegiance of our heart toward Jesus. Kyle Ottoman says this, Jesus was never interested in having fans. When he defines what kind of relationship he wants, enthusiastic admirer is never an option. My concern is that many of our churches in America have gone from being sanctuaries to becoming stadiums. And every week, all the fans come to the stadium where they cheer for Jesus and have no interest in truly following him. The biggest threat to the church today are fans who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. We need to consider this. We need to talk about this. We need to consider the reality of who is Jesus to you. Jesus invites everyone to him, everyone to come and see and so when you see Jesus, what do you see? 
I've always believed in him. And in our home, we always talked about him. I've, I just always tried to be in tune with him. I like spiritual things. That's all fan talk. That's not follower talk. Follower talk begins with a personal experience that looks to Jesus and the work he has done. There was a point in time when I put my faith in Jesus. I trusted him with my life. I don't know who I'd be without Jesus and what he's done. I want to honor him in everything I do, my work, my relationships, my finances, my dreams, all of it. That's how followers talk. Look at Nathaniel's part in the story. Again, he goes from like, oh, this is Nazareth, somebody from Nazareth, to you are king of Israel. You are the Messiah. How he looks to Jesus changes. And so has there been a point in your life where how you thought about him might have been more like, he's pretty cool, to that's my king. That's my Lord. He's the reason why my life is what it is. And I would be, my life would never be the same without him. It isn't a decision that your parents, your spouse, or your friend makes for you. It's something that you have to do. Putting your faith in Jesus. And again, if you're here for the first time, maybe you are coming back to church, that type of a thing. This idea of following him, you might not be ready for that right now. But the only thing I can ask of you is stick with us. Give this a few weeks. Maybe give it a couple months. And let Jesus show you the truth of who he is. Because when he says he wants you to come and follow, come and see and follow me. He's inviting you into the life your heart longs for. You might not see that yet. You might not agree with that yet. But let Jesus show you the truth of who he is. Let him show you why taking him up on this invitation of him being Lord of your life, of trusting him, is the greatest decision you can make. Come and see who Jesus is. And know, this is the last thing, Jesus wants us to see and know a life beyond imagination. Jesus wants us to know and see, see and know a life beyond imagination. We've used the phrase, you haven't seen anything yet. I mean, what does that communicate? I'm just getting started. This is just a taste. There's more to come. I mean, if you've been to Costco, you get the samples. My daughter and I, my kids, we kind of hit all the samples and all of them again. And what does that person say when you go, oh, that was really good. They, oh, there's more. You can get more of this. Mm, there's more. That, you thought that little taste was good. There's a whole lot more. You need to move beyond just being impressed with the taste of Jesus to seeing how much more there is to him. Because when we come, when you come and just check things out, when you come and just sit and go, when you come and hang out with other people that love Jesus, you're only getting a taste. Jesus wants to give you life that redefines who you are, gives you peace and hope and joy and purpose and a certainty about forever as far as direction for now and confidence as far as your past. And nothing else on this planet or world can do that, you or anyone else. And so to say that he wants you to have a taste of him so that you can see how much more is to come, how much more he is offering you. Nathaniel, he says, just saying that I saw you, there's so much more to come. The, the Frederick Bruckner says this, if we, and this is a little bit longer of a quote, but sometimes why come up with it on your own? Just let somebody else say it. If we only had eyes to, eyes to see and ears to hear and wits to understand, 
we would know that the kingdom of God in the sense of holiness, goodness, and beauty is as close as breathing and is crying out to be born within ourselves and within the world. We would know that the kingdom of God is what we, excuse me, what we all of us hunger for above all other things, even when we don't know its name or realize that it's what we've been starving to death for. The kingdom of God is where our best dreams come from and our truest prayers. We glimpse it at those moments when we find ourselves being better than we are and wiser than we know. We catch sight of it when at some point of moment of crisis, a strength seems to come to us that is greater than our own strength. The kingdom of God is where we belong. It is home. And whether we realize it or not, I think we are, we are all of us homesick for it. That's the life that Jesus is inviting us to. The life that you are homesick for it for, regardless of whether you realize that or not. He, 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 his life and the life that he offers to you is the, what your life has been craving. And it's only in him that our hearts are content. It's only in him that our hearts find fulfillment. We have to trust in him. And so let today be the day if that you see Jesus and know that he sees you. If you're somebody that's already following Jesus, and let this be a reminder to you of what is most important and to be reminded of his care, be reminded of his love, be reminded of the strength that he wants to give to you. But if you're in here today and you're not somebody who's following to Jesus, let today be a reminder. Let it be the proclamation to your heart that there is a God and he sees you. And he doesn't only want you to see him, he wants you to receive life from him. Leonard Nimoy um, played Dr. Spock in the original Star Trek show. Uh, yes, I am a huge Star, Star Wars person, but I will give credit to where credit's due. In an interview not long before he died, he explained the origin of the Vulcan salute. Uh, when he was little, he saw a rabbi at synagogue praying a prayer of blessing. And as they prayed, they held their hand like that. And so when they had their hands up like this. And so when they said, we need to have some type of Vulcan greeting, you know, we shake hands, we, we didn't say bump fists at the time, but you get that idea. He said, we need to have something that Vulcans do. And Nimoy just said, well, what if we did this? And they were like, okay, that's great. And he kind of laughed and he said, how many people have done this to me or others over the years and they never knew they were blessing someone? They never knew exactly what this was about when they did it. It made me think about just walking around our city, driving around our city, being in our world, and how many times we see crosses in our culture today. Necklaces, driving past churches, and signage, artwork, countless other places. There's a, on LaSalle, there's a street that you go by, there's a church you go by, and it has this cross with Jesus on it, and it says right on there, is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? But how many people go by and don't even see the cross, let alone what it's saying by it? People see these as religious symbols, never realizing the invitation that's being given here. I see you. Come and see me, Jesus says, because I love you, he says. I see you. Come and see me. I died for your sins so that you can know forgiveness. I see you. Come and see me. I rose from the dead so that you can have new life. I see you. Come and see me. I want to restore you and redeem you and give you hope and life. 
I see you. Come and see me. Come and be my follower. My child, find life in me. I see you. Come and see me. And that's the invitation today. Know that you are seen by Jesus and come and see him. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the fact that your eyes are always on us. We thank you, God, that you are never aloof, that you're not indifferent, that you're not disgusted. We thank you, Jesus, for the reality of your love, for the reality of your care. God, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you that you died in our place so that our sins can be forgiven. We thank you, God, that you rose from the dead, conquering sin and death so that we can know life. And so, God, help us to look to you. Help us to see you. Help us to trust you. God, help us to turn from other things, to not look to other things for life, but to come and stare and focus at you. God, however this lands in our hearts today, I pray that you would prompt us. I pray that you would poke at us. I pray that you would pursue us. I pray that you would not let up on us until we receive what you're giving. We just thank you for all of it, Lord, in your name. Amen. Would you stand with us? We're going to close with this last song.